Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter. My wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. How are we all doing this morning? Uh, you can sit down. You don't need to wait for me. That's good. Sit, sit. Lovely. What a morning. So, um, legitimate question. Anyone who's new, if you could put your hand up. Anyone new? Yeah, we've got one over there. Hello. Welcome. Great. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, try not to preach like right down to there. That'll feel overwhelming, I'm sure. But um, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Caleb. I uh, am one of the executive pastors here. I also run the uh, Bible College. Um, we have lectures on Monday nights, a bunch of students. Yeah, there's Jen, there's one. Um, we have a great time unpacking the word. Um, it's such a good time. And uh, this morning I'm talking to Dr. Strange Lookalike. <laughs> I was wondering what mine was going to be. Um, I actually went and saw uh, the most recent Doctor Strange with Rachel and uh, my wife, and when we left, she's like, oh, Caleb is the Wish version of Doctor Strange. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, which is why I'm telling the story, so you, you don't need to feel bad for me there. Yeah. I felt some awkwardness in the room. It's like, is, is he okay with that? Yeah, I told you. So... Uh, last day of preaching on uh, revival resolutions, um, such an awesome way to kick off the year. Uh, who made any New Year's resolutions this year? One? One New Year's resolution? Two? Three? Okay, we've got a little smattering of, of, of people. Um, I think it's such a great idea to, to centre around this idea of we're coming into a new year. What are my resolutions around revival? Um, which, I don't know, does... I don't know if everyone in the room would have an idea what we're even talking about when we say that sometimes. Like, what do we mean when we say revival? I feel like that's a term that means different things to different people. Um, for some people, the term revival is basically like a nostalgic word for services they used to experience uh, back in the day um, where a lot of people fell over when they were prayed for, really extended worship, and, and that's pretty much the grid. But is that the only metric of revival? Um, is revival last week when, you know, the after worship went very long and people came up the front and we had to move all the seats back, uh, or was revival the bit afterwards where, where Pastor Jasmine said, oh, if you could help out to move the seats back, and for, I'm not exaggerating, the first time in the history of KCC, everybody actually helped move the seats forward. We're <laughs> uh, and I want to propose to you that, that both are revival. That both are actually um, a sign of revival. The revival is much broader than sometimes what we think of. So obviously we, we often think of, you know, uh, the Azusa Street revivals, a whole bunch of people that because of the colour of their skin weren't allowed into churches or universities or schools and the Spirit of God coming down on them and breaking out and, and the secular newspaper reporting 
fire above the building that they could see, fire brigade getting called, like amazing outpourings like that. The Welsh revival where people coming in on the, on the ships hadn't even arrived in port yet and they're getting slain in the spirit. They're having to retrain the donkeys. They're having to get new donkeys because the old donkeys didn't understand the miners now that they weren't swearing. Like... <laughs> As absolutely revival. Um, but also the Protestant Reformation, where this idea that, hey, it's not just what traditionally has been done, but the, the word should be, the scripture, the Bible should be the main thing that we're taking our doctrine, our understanding of ourselves, our understanding of the church and how we do things. That was actually a revival. If you look in the book of Judges, is actually a huge book of revivals. I've, I've gotten into the habit of highlighting different themes, different colours uh, when I go through scripture. It's, it's a lot of fun um, in certain ways. Uh, but I have in orange several times through my book of Judges, again, the Israelites did evil on the side of the Lord. And then I have a green, in green, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer. It's just this constant theme, this constant rotation of the people kind of lost their focus, lost their eyes on God, and he hears their cry and brings a deliverer. Sometimes they don't even cry out and he just brings a deliverer. But most of the time in Judges, the people are crying out. And so the way that I view revival is revival is whenever God is taking his people's attention and refocusing them onto the spirit, onto the word, onto himself, in whatever way that his people need to be refocused. And what I think has been happening for the last 70 odd years is a revival of the spirit that hasn't really ever been held or maintained. I see what's happening is that, my read anyway, is that God is constantly refocusing his people onto the spirit, like again and again and again, because offense happens, because people fall away, because stuff hasn't been put in to maintain it, sometimes because the way that... Um, that spiritual outpouring has happened, distracts people, and they maybe need refocusing onto to the main thing, and they get lost in the shape of that. So this morning, what I'm really wanting to do is kind of unpack what it means for us to actually be setting revival resolutions in our life. And so the message, uh, the title of my message is uh, The Cost of Revival. Um, which is such a fun title, right? It gives you such a warm feeling that we're going to go to some lovely places. Some of what I'm saying this morning, uh, I don't really want to say, not because like, I'm too scared to say it, you know that ain't me, because I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, no. So if you don't want to hear it when I say it, um, probably there's a good bet that I didn't want to hear it either. Um, because a, a little bit of what I'm talking about this morning is stuff that God's been hitting me up on. Um, because this is a thing, right? We, we come into services and we assume when we get saved or if we were born a Christian, when we um, just grow up, that everything we've got is just the way things have always been. And we don't actually always realise what we've inherited that some people actually really fought for, that some people actually put a lot of effort into, that some people actually got on their knees and prayed a bunch for, uh, some people really structured their lives around. And we just inherit it and go, oh, this is how it is and then kind of don't pay the cost to keep it going. And so there is a cost to it. Shall we pray? Yes. Yeah, awesome. Good, good answer, good response. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here this morning, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. I've uh, done all the preparation uh, and I've, I've set out everything that I'm going to say and that's everything that I can do, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be here this morning uh, speaking to people's hearts, speaking into people's lives, Lord. Uh, moving as only you can move, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not just uh, the words that we say, Lord God, but it's your presence and your spirit. And I just pray, Lord, that in this place there'd be a real revelation of what you're wanting to do in our lives, in every part, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. So, uh, going to start with 2 Corinthians 7, 14 to 16. And uh, the temple has just been built. So, David, King David wasn't allowed to build the temple because he was a man of blood. Uh, you can look that up. And then his son Solomon has built the temple. And so, they're having this big celebration. The temple has been built. And this is what God says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So that's awesome, right? Great news. God's eyes are open. God's ears are open. He's attentive to the prayers of his people. But there's a key word in this whole passage. Can, it, can anyone give me what the key word is? If. Yeah, great. Uh, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And that's not to say God's unable to hear us if we're not doing those things. But sometimes we just kind of act like our Bible says that, well, you just, you do you, um, but God's so good and everything will work out and everything will be okay. But you just kind of, you know, you, you pray where you can and, and read your Bible sometimes. And, you know, where, where applicable, like try and live a good life and, and then everything will always go your way always. Um, as opposed to this, this is actually saying like, if, uh, if we will humble ourselves. What does that mean? If we will humble ourselves. Has anyone prayed that pray, prayer, um, God humble me? Has anyone ever prayed that? I pray God humble me. Yeah, God, would you humble me? God, would you humble me? You know what, what James says? Humble yourself. Oh, what? Verse 10 here in James 4 um, says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So God's, God's not sitting around going like, I need to humble someone. Who will be willing for me to humble them? God's actually wanting to lift us up. But actually, we need to humble ourselves. And so if we do that thing that if you, uh, if you come along on a Monday night to, to Bible college, we'll teach this thing. It's really high, high, high class um, trick. Uh, just read the little bit beforehand. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, we can get really fixated on the, the sinners bit and the double-minded bit, because we feel like that's like a real slinging insult. But it is just kind of a description of us some days, right? Like, if we're just honest, like, some days I'm double-minded. Some days I sin. I mean, I, hopefully that's not just me in this room. I, that would be like, I think this isn't an, an intervention. But, um, <laughs> but if, we, if, we, if we read through this in order, we can actually see kind of a checklist process kind of thing. 
Because we can read this and go like, oh, I'm supposed to be living this life of grieving and mourning. That will humble me and then God will lift me up. But actually it starts with just submit yourselves to God. And what do I do if I find it really hard to submit myself to God? Well, I'll resist the devil and he'll flee from me. Well, if I'm resisting the devil and I don't really feel him fleeing from me, well, then I need to come near to God and he'll come near to me. What if I don't, I'm trying to come to God and I, I, and I just, I can't bring myself to come near to God. Well, then I need to wash my hands because I'm a sinner. And it's not physically, literally, obviously, but I need to do something to actually not purify myself, but repent, open myself up to God to be clean, clean from that. Um, purify your hearts, you double-minded. My, my mind is going back and forth here. I need to do something with my heart to reconnect to God. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your mourning, uh, uh, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Look, if we're in that position, that's time to actually be in that place that is appropriate sometimes in the Christian life of God. I don't know what's left, man. I've, I've, I've given everything and I feel like I've come to the end of myself. God, I'm completely dependent on you. Like I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a dark place right now, help me. Um, as opposed to trying to pretend that we're just gonna keep skipping through and life's gonna be great. We actually have to be able to go through this process. And so when God's saying that we need to humble ourselves, when, when Paul's talking here, humble yourselves and he, he will lift us up. What's really talking about here is my first point. God wants us to position ourselves. We get really hung up on religiosity sometimes, uh, particularly in Pentecostal church, when it comes to praying, fasting, reading our Bibles, doing our daily devotions thing. We can get really hung up on, oh, that feels really religious. That feels really like um, enforced. Like that doesn't feel like a, a, a free will flowing relationship kind of thing. Uh, you know, you can hear that kind of thing where in a lot of the language sometimes in churches, we, we talk against being religious. Uh, and so that can lead us into a place where we kind of feel like kind of hung on the horns of this dilemma of, well, what, so I shouldn't do it unless I really, really want to, but then I never want to. So what's left? Right. I mean, maybe you're not like me again. Maybe this is actually an intervention. Thank you all for turning up. <laughs> But sometimes um, I don't want to. Actually, you know, like a lot of the time I don't want to. Uh, and so if I only waited for the times that I wanted to pray, wanted to fast, wanted to read my Bible, I, I wouldn't. And so we'd just be stuck in a bad place, right? So when we reframe it, though, God's asking us to position ourselves. So me reading my Bible isn't me becoming a better person. But all of a sudden, I'm in a position where God can talk to me much clearer. When I'm, when I'm going for a, a morning walk and praying, I'm not earning God's listening to me, right? It's not like I'm a better person now because I'm doing this. Or if I knelt down, then I'm an even better person and God's even more likely to hear me. I'm, but I might need to kneel down because I might be praying and finding a bit of pride in my heart and go, I need to do something to, to fight against that pride. And then you know, I'm in a position where God, who is always talking to me, I can actually hear him. And maybe you haven't had this experience, right? Maybe you don't know what it is to have a, a relationship with God. And we'll give an opportunity for that later in the service. But that, that moment where you actually make a decision that like, hey, God, I'm doing everything for you. I'm going for you. I want to live the life that you want for me. Because what I end up doing, if left to my own devices, is doing whatever will emotionally feel good now. Yeah. 
right? And what God's asking me to do is do the things that may or may not be fun right now, but will have everlasting fruit. And so my second point is that we need to drop the burden of euphoria, right? Does anyone else feel that burden? You know, I'm going to pray and then I pray and it doesn't feel awesome. Did I do something wrong? I read the Bible and the words didn't leap off the page into me and stir me up and and make me feel alive in God. I didn't get any revelation. There's nothing I can put on Instagram that I just got from the, have I done something wrong? We feel like we need to have this constant euphoric process of our, our faith, right? We're, we're about to go into a period of prayer and fasting. I don't know if you've fasted before, but in my experience, it's awesome, it's amazing, it realigns with God, it teaches you so much, and it sucks. Because, man, this thing happens when you um, aren't eating food, is that you don't get to eat food. Have you, it's wild. And it feels silly that I should be like going on about this, but I've literally talked to people before who their expectation out of fasting is they won't be hungry because the Holy Spirit will completely... Which we, yeah, we laugh because it's ridiculous and worthy of mockery, but... (laughs) But we live in in this world that sets this precondition, this idea that we're supposed to be feeling good about everything all the time. So of course, we bring that into our faith. And of course, that gives us this false expectation that the whole thing is supposed to be pleasant and fun instead of meaningful and connecting to God and deep and rewarding. It's supposed to be service level fun. And so of course, they're surprised when they're hungry, right? I find for me, it's not about meals, it's about snacks. Right, And what that teaches me is how often, this is the reflection I have whenever I fast. Man, I just do whatever my body tells me to do, right? My body says, Tim Tams, and I go, yep, yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, there's, nothing goes in between that process. And so that's, that's what this positioning does for us, is it actually teaches us not to listen so immediately to ourselves. We can actually think and respond to the voice of God instead of feel and react to our body, react to our emotions, react to our circumstances and our situation. What's more important is obedience rather than enjoyment. If God's asked me to, hey, I think you, this year God is saying, read this much Bible, do this much prayer, uh, do it at this time, do it in this way. Me being obedient to that is the treasure. Other stuff can come out of that. I can get words out of the Bible. I can get connection to God in prayer. I can see my prayers answered. I can see breakthrough and fasting. But obedience is actually the real treasure, that I was obedient to God. Which brings me to point three. Uh, the rhythm of grace equals discipline. I'm just going to get a drink of water. You can just chew on that one for a bit. The only tricky thing about not using the hands-free mic is, uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, I finished my sentences. It's a, it's a trick that I have for drinking water. I've learned from the best. But discipline can sometimes be a uh, bit of a four-letter word in churches, you know? Uh, discipline can sometimes be... This, uh, this thing that's like, well, we, it's not about discipline, it's about love, it's about desire, it's about etc. Um, 
But like I said, that kind of leaves us in a terrible place where we're just swept by our emotions. Yes, a great, I don't know, like if I set this whole thing up, if I was God, it's like, oh, you've become a Christian, now I'm going to force you to do all the right things. But that's just not been my experience. Oh no. Yeah. But the idea of, I think that we fight against with the idea of dis discipline is that we don't want to be religious. Because discipline feels like being like religious and stuck in a thing, right? I, I grew up Catholic, so I, there's some amazing, wonderful things that they do that just didn't mean anything to me. Like I didn't, until I was doing my master's uh, as a Pentecostal, I didn't realize why as a child in church, I was constantly having to stand up. They actually stand up every time they're reading the word. It's this beautiful mark of respect but it didn't mean anything to me because no one had, because it didn't mean anything to me. I just, just the action of standing didn't do anything. I just didn't get to sit for a bit. And now we're kneeling and I don't know what that's about. I still don't know what that's about. No, I know what that's about. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just going through these motions because for one person way back when, they made a decision that was very meaningful for them and then prescribed it to everybody. And so not being religious means finding what works for you. Are you better at praying in the morning or at the night? If it's at night, what are you going to do in the morning to refocus your attention on God? What's the best way for you to read the Bible? Is it highlighting things? Is it doing a Bible plan? Is it reading five chapters a day? Is it reading a book on Saturday? What, what is the best way for you to outwork your faith. And we go to our pastors and our leaders for advice and help, and then we tweak stuff that works and doesn't work, and then we're disciplined about it. We go, I'm better at reading the Bible at night, so I'm going to do five minutes of prayer in the morning before work, whatever. Or this day I'm, is my day off, and so that, this is the pocket that I'm going to really, really focus on God. Like what? but then be disciplined to it, then stick to it. And so that's what we're talking about with revival resolutions is what am I finding that I'm going to stick to in response to God and that works with me? And then feeling free to tweak it if it's not working. But the not working being because it's not working, not because it's not fun. And because that's what I really feel to go after this morning is this, this, our world is very hedonistic. And I feel that we accidentally take on so much of that, right? Every time our impulse is to move from pain towards pleasure, that's, that's hedonism. And so we kind of flee from what's difficult and towards what's easy or what's fun, and we let that flavor our entire faith. There's, has anyone heard that thing, um, there's no high like the most high? It's this kind of thing, particularly in youth groups. I don't know if, if it's what we do anymore, Felicity, but uh, this thing in youth groups where you go, um, and, and probably in wider as well, it's like, man, you've, you've done drugs. Let me tell you about a better drug. It's Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been in services and prayer meetings and camps where Holy Spirit has broken out. People have been set free. People have been laughing. People have been rolling around the ground. People have called the police because they're not sure what's going on. Like wild, amazing, awesome stuff. Um, but I've also done a bunch of drugs. And um, 
They're different. I don't know if you know this, but um, marijuana never asked me to apologise to nobody. Yeah. Never convicted me of anything. Uh, never, never told me I was being pig-headed. Ever. Um, Rum's done that. But... <laughs> this is what happens when we transpose that thing, right? When we, when we try and have that kind of mindset is that it sets up this thing of, like, come to Christ because it will be better than being on drugs all the time. It'll be more euphoric, over the top. Uh, it'll be like being high all the time without the come down. And that's just not true. That's just not reality. That's not Christianity. That's not faith. That's not anyone's experience in the Bible. Sorry. That's no... The, the heroes of our faith have not been the people who just found things easy all the time. They're the people who dug in. The people who had the grit. The people who had the determination. The people who said, you know what? The most important thing is the kingdom of God. And, and like Paul's talking about carrying around death in his body all the time. What's that about? Um, rhetorical question. What it's about is identifying what actually drains us and what actually feeds us. Because we get them back to front a lot. I don't have the energy to pray tonight. I'm just going to sit down and watch a bit of Netflix. I don't have the energy to read my Bible tonight or I'll just do it after I've spent a little bit of time on, on Instagram Reels. And so we do the things that drain us, right? Because that's the thing. We've come to the end of a day and like, well, there's way too much going on in my brain. Let me connect to every bit of information that has ever existed and try and cram that in. <laughs> oh, I feel so much more relaxed. <laughs> Finding it hard to sleep. Let me look at a light bulb um, <laughs> and read about everything bad that happened today in every place around the world. And, you know, I've, that kind of stuff gets a little bit of a smashing sometimes, but I'm not talking about minimising distractions. I'm not saying you can't look at Netflix because it'll distract you from the important things, but identify what's feeding you and what's draining you. You know? Identify what is bringing life and what is bringing death and discipline ourselves to the stuff that's bringing life. Discipline ourselves to the stuff that'll actually set us free. So this year, my encouragement to you is to make some resolutions around fasting. We've made that one easy for you. It's uh, happening in eight days. Um, it will be our fasting season. And that doesn't mean that you don't eat for 21 days. That means that's the, the pocket where we're all hearing God uh, and taking a step of what does fasting look like for me in this year in this 21 days? Is it skipping a meal every Monday? Is it no food the entire time? Is it something in between? What is, what is God calling me to do? Um, that's that's, that's going to be super powerful. What's, what's, what's prayer for you this year? Is it I'm going to be more consistent with it? Is it I'm going to turn up the volume of it? Is it is going to superficially look exactly the same, but I'm going to not burden myself with it having to be euphoric and I'm, I'm going to position myself to, to hear from God? What does it look like? Uh, what does reading your Bible look like this year? Does it look like signing up for Bible college? You know, we, I'm going to be at the, the back of the room afterwards. That, that might be the thing for you um, to really dig into. We're going into this semester, biblical interpretation application, how to read the Bible, how to actually get out of the Bible what it's trying to say. Um, is that you? Is it, is it actually just reading the thing? Is it 
instead of trying to read five minutes every morning on the train to work? Is it finding half an hour on a Saturday to really dig into it? What, what does it look like for you this year? What is the resolution that you're going to make? So if we could all um, just take a moment, close our eyes, bow our heads. We're going to do two things. First, we're just going to hear from God for a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your words, your voice is so much more powerful than my own. Uh, what you want for our lives uh, is so much more accurate than what I would want for someone's life. And so I just uh, honour the fact, Lord, that you can speak to everyone in this room right now. I just pray, Lord, that you would just start to uh, talk to, to hearts. I just acknowledge that you've already been doing it. Uh, I acknowledge that there's people in this room who you've been talking to even before the service. You were talking to in the car. You've been talking to uh, all week. You may have been talking to um, all of January, saying, hey, you need to make another step. You need to make a new thing. Yeah. And while we're in this position, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't know Jesus, who hasn't had that experience of going, you know what, Lord, I'm tried all this stuff in my own strength and in my own ability uh, and I've realised that I can't produce anything life-giving out of my life. I can sometimes get it right, I sometimes get it wrong but I recognise the direction of my life, the focus of my life uh, isn't towards the best and brightest for me, it's just towards my emotionality. Maybe uh, you've been struggling recently uh, with the fact that you feel like as much as you try to move away from uh, the negative stuff that your emotions get you to do, you don't feel freedom in that place. And you just need God to help. You just need Jesus to come. Just surrender to him and he will make that possible. So if that's you this morning, if you want to make a decision for God, I want to just ask you to, to pop your hand up. Uh, not going to embarrass you, not going to have any big moment. There's a couple of people who um, will be keeping an eye out just to have a chat with you afterwards. Um, but if that's you this morning, on the count of three, if you could just pop your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. One, two, three. Thank you, Lord. See that hand? See that hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Let's just pray for those people this morning. We just thank you, Jesus, that you meet with us, Lord. You meet with us where we're at, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that uh, the entire gulf and divide between us and you, you crossed. You came across. You bridged it, Lord, when you died on the cross for us, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, you come uh, freely to us, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, that uh, you even give us that ability to respond. So we just thank you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And for the rest of us, actually those people are invited as well. If you uh, just want to respond to God in this moment, uh, the band's up here. They're going to start playing. We're going to start worshiping. I just want to invite you to come to the front. If you feel you need to respond to that word this morning, if anything has resonated in you on that one, don't just leave it in your head. Don't just let it circle around. Let's all stand up. Don't let it just circle around in your head. Let's make a decision. Let's make a movement towards the front. Let's make a movement towards the altar. There's a, there's a place here of surrender. There's a place here of agreeing with God. There's a place here of saying, yes, Lord, your ways are not mine. Yes, Jesus. We can sit in our seats and we can think it through or we can make a step we can make a step we can make a step so come make a stand for Jesus this morning right now right now right now where you're at thank you Lord thank you Jesus 
Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with him today. When we read scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus his son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life with him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.